So your pastoral team covets your prayers today as each one of us is dealing with our own stuff. Uh, but God is present, and God is always asking us to be in worship together. And so today I am reading to us from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. So listen now uh, to the word of God. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 or seven times 70 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And, as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened and they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. On October 2nd, 2006, a man walked into the Amish schoolhouse in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, armed with several pistols and rifles. He was a local non-Amish man. He was well known uh, to many in the community. And after he dismissed the, sent away the teachers and the boys in the schoolhouse, he tied up the 10 little girls aged 7 to 13 with zip ties. And as the authorities descended on and surrounded that schoolhouse, he shot each of those little girls in the back of the head before killing himself. Five of those girls died, and one to this day remains permanently uh, disabled, unable to speak or walk. Now, many of us remember how shocking that uh, schoolhouse shooting was, and, and it, 
it, it just came about 10 years after the Columbine shooting, and we have seen mass shooting after mass shooting in this country, one after another, some of them in public venues, some of them in schools, uh, some of them even in the midst of churches. But what seemed to make this one so shocking was not only that it was little children and, and in a school, but also in a religious community that, that uh, lives nonviolence and separates themselves from the world. They don't use technology. They don't have TVs. They don't play video games. They don't have internet. They don't drive cars. They are so... Uh, isolated from most of what goes on the, in the world, that it seems like the last place this would happen, and not only that, but that these children were probably the most innocent among the most innocent children you could find in this country. But then what happened within 24 hours was really what we found so stunning, that soon the family of the the victims, as well as other members of the Amish community, began to make their way to the family of the killer, to the wife and the children and the parents of this murderer, and to offer them forgiveness, to extend kindness and compassion and to sit with these people. And it opened up this national conversation where some people were thinking, what an amazing act of forgiveness and kindness that we see in the Amish. Whereas others were saying, you know, uh, it's too soon, it's inappropriate, it's a, a, a ploy for publicity, something is going on here that just isn't right. But the Amish believed very deeply that they were simply following Jesus and doing what he commanded them to do, forgive. You see, Amish communities believe it is not what we say, but what we do that matters uh, to God. And every day, each person in those communities prays the Lord's Prayer at least twice a day and often many times throughout the day because they don't believe that you should pray in any other way. If the Lord taught this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, then it should be the way that we pray and they simply repeat this. And this line that says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us doesn't come with any kinds of exceptions. Jesus doesn't stop and say, um, but in these situations, it's okay not to forgive. It's just a simple, direct command to forgive. And it might just be the hardest, most difficult teaching that Jesus has given us. Often, I think we don't understand what forgiveness really is. Some people think that forgiving means forgetting. It doesn't. Some people think that forgiving means there is no punishment or there are no consequences due. It doesn't mean that. Uh, your, your child breaks one of the lamps and you say, I forgive you, but let's figure out which toys we can sell so that we get the money to buy a new lamp. It still has consequences. 
And some people think that forgiving means you forego justice. It doesn't mean that. Forgiveness means this, that when someone is hurt unjustly or unfairly, whether uh, the victim, you know, we are the victim of that hurt or uh, uh, someone that we care about is, is the victim of that hurt, Whichever it may be, we choose to let go of the resentment and the desire for vengeance against the offender. Now, we don't deny or ignore the feelings that we have, but we try to offer that wrongdoer compassion and goodness and even that bold unbelievable love of God, not that sentimental love, but that fierce love of God. Because we remember that while Jesus was on the cross, suffering, wrongly accused, and so mistreated, that he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus had every right to be angry, to be resentful, to ask God for revenge. But Jesus shows us that he offered forgiveness. Of course, long before he offered that forgiveness from the cross, Jesus was about teaching his disciples and others what it means to forgive. And that's where we get this chapter in Matthew 18. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, how many times should I get, forgive a church member? Now, remember, there wasn't a church in Jesus' day, and Matthew has sort of changed the wording there. He's just saying, how many times, Jesus, ought to I forgive someone that I know? Should I forgive them seven times? And seven times is pretty extravagant forgiveness. I mean, think about if someone does the same thing to you over and over, about the seventh time or before that, you're going to be saying, enough already. I'm not going to forgive you. You keep on doing it. But Jesus says, no, don't forgive seven times. Forgive 77. Or in some of the translations, it's seven times, 70 times. 490 times you're, you're asked to forgive this same person. You see, Jesus is saying if you're counting, if you're calculating, if you're deciding whether this person who offended you deserves to be uh, forgiven, then it isn't real forgiveness at all. Because, of course, God forgives each of us thousands of times. God forgives each of us over and over and over. You and I never get this discipleship thing entirely right. We may get better at it. We hopefully get better at it, but we never get perfect at discipleship, and still God forgives us. But there's more here to Matthew 18 that seems important and once Jesus expresses this need for a pretty extravagant kind of forgiveness, he tells this parable, this story, where the king calls in his slave, his indentured servant, and he says, look, you owe me 10,000 talents. Now, this is an impossible amount. One 
talent is about the equivalent of 15 years of ordinary wages. In other words, the man owes him about 150,000 years of wages. It's an impossible amount. And so the king is like, look, I'm just going to sell you. I'm going to sell off your wife and kids and your possessions and get what I can and call it even. And in, in this slave begs and please, I, I'll pay you. Just give me more time. Well, they both know he can never repay this impossible debt. But the king is moved with compassion. And he says, okay, I, I forgive you. I forgive your debt. But then the slave no sooner leaves the king, he sees a man who owes him a hundred denarii, which is maybe about three months' wages, entirely payable. He says, pay me what you owe. And the man says, give me a little more time. He says, no, and he has him thrown into jail. Well, the people who, who see this go to the king and they say, look what he's done. And the king says, I take back my forgiveness of you, and I'm going to throw you in prison to be tortured. Wow. This is a pretty <laughs> powerful kind of story, and there are different ways that people understand what this means. Most commonly, we understand that God forgives us, and so we should forgive others. There are others, including the Amish, who believe what this story says is, unless we forgive others, God will not forgive us. So on the one hand, we forgive because God forgives us. On the other hand, we forgive so that God will forgive us. And I think in God's eyes, it's probably a little bit of both. It's a chicken and an egg. It's an ongoing cycle of God forgiving us, forgiving God, forgiving us, forgiving. And yet, I think there is yet one more meaning that we need to understand from this story. When we hold on to grudges, when we want revenge, when we stay caught in the anger and the wrong that was done to us, we imprison ourselves. By refusing to let it go and not to erase the consequences or the justice that's due, but to let it go, to let go of our feelings of being wronged, we imprison ourselves. We continue to torture ourselves over the wrong that was done and we make our lives miserable. And so often the one who committed the offense against us never thinks about us or that wrongdoing again. So we torture ourselves and prevent ourselves from receiving the joy and peace and contentment that the Lord is offering us, the healing that God offers I know that we have all experienced at some time in our lives that feeling of wanting to someone to get what they deserve for what they've done to me or to someone I care about. Yes, we were hurt unfairly. Yes, that person was in the wrong. But Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer that we must offer forgiveness so that our own heart and spirit 
can let go of the negative emotions and free us for the abundance that Jesus offers. If Jesus can do it on the cross as the only innocent one to ever have lived, shouldn't we try to live into that example? Shouldn't we teach our children from an early age to forgive freely and often? And did you know that scientific research has verified that forgiving does reduce anger, it does reduce depression, it does reduce stress, it does bring more contentment and peace into our lives. And not only that, when we forgive, it produces cardiovascular and immune system benefits. In other words, forgiving changes us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. It allows us to receive the grace of God that makes us whole. Today, I suspect that there are some of us here that need to forgive someone. Maybe we've had a grudge we've been holding on to for way too long. And Jesus tells us to practice forgiveness as the first step in our ability to let go and not be eaten up by that wrong. Maybe some of us need to let go of a grudge or an anger toward ourselves. Maybe some of us need to accept the forgiveness that God has already given us by forgiving ourselves. And because the Lord's Prayer is communal, us, we, it also means that sometimes communities need to let go, communities need to offer forgiveness. And I wonder if maybe this church, this village, in some ways continues to hold on to some wrong that was done to us by the district superintendent or the bishop or the annual conference or previous pastors or members who are left or whatever it or whoever it may be. Jesus tells us it's time to let go. Only when we let go and offer forgiveness can we begin that healing process that allows emotional, physical, and spiritual wholeness and abundance to be present. Only then does new life emerge. And so this morning, we are going to pray together, praying to forgive, praying to forgive that person that we've been holding on to the grudge against for too long. Pray to forgive ourselves as God has forgiven us. Pray for this community to forgive whatever wrongs have been done to it in the past to free us for the future that God is offering us. And I want to open up the altar if there is anyone who feels that God is calling you to actually come in prayer to the altar as we pray. The altar is open. You are welcome to come and express his forgiveness as we pray together. Come if you would like.
merciful God, we confess before you in this day that we have not always been the people or the church that you call us to be. We hear that you have said to us that we are to forgive. We pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And today, O oh God, hear us, hear our cries of the heart as we pray that we might forgive whoever it is in our lives against whom we hold resentment and grudges. Help us today, O oh God, to let it go. We say with our mouths and our hearts, I forgive. And, oh God, we pray in this day for those who are unable to forgive themselves. We pray that your spirit might right now be with them so that they might say, I forgive myself, I accept who you are, God, and what you have already done for me. We pray for those who need to let go and forgive themselves. And as a community of faith, oh God, we pray in this day that whatever wrongdoings have been done to us in the past, whatever sorts of things we continue to hold on to, that today is the day when we say, I forgive them all. God, we know you're forgiving us. You're not done with us. You have a good future for us, and we need to be free to receive the full abundance you have for us. And so, oh God, we thank you that you are a God of forgiveness. Not once or twice, but seven times, seventy thousands of times. And we pray, O oh God, that you will teach us over and again these words, I forgive, in Jesus' name, amen.